Welcome back to Life at Hobridge School, the podcast where we speak to pupils, staff and parents to find out what it's really like. Every week we'll be talking to one of the members of the school community to hear real stories of life in the school. And today we're talking to Stephen Arnott, Assistant Head Pastoral, about happiness, confidence and achievement, something at the heart of the school. Tracy Clark Sullivan takes us into that conversation. So come with us as we step inside now. Hobridge School is obviously a place where serious and excellent learning takes place. It's also a place for sport and leisure. But what about the personal development of the young people and their well-being? I'm sure Steve Arnott, Assistant Head of Pastoral, can help us out with more information. Hello, Stephen. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So tell us about your philosophy regarding the pastoral care at Hobridge School. I I think with everything, pastoral care always comes down to this a process where you've got to try and help the children through the ups and downs of life and, and help them understand that, that life isn't always perfect. Um, my sort of philosophy, which which we instill throughout the school, is is equipping those children with the skills and the tools to help them. So sort of not uh, the approach of let's make everything perfect and let's take away all of those stress factors. But when those pinch points, when those problems arise, that we work with the children and sort of give them the, the necessary skills to, 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 to overcome it and then also to be prepared for, for that if it should happen again and things like that. So really sort of working with the triangle of the parents, the teacher and the pupil in how those children can, can get through life's ups and downs and, and, and come out the other side. Yeah, because when you talk about ups and downs, you're you're literally dealing with young people who are perhaps at their their worst hormonal stage of their life, perhaps. Yes, yeah. So so the older ones, we sort of do a lot of discussion about about changes and hormones and uh, and puberty and things like that. But it's also with the younger ones, and I think the one thing that I always come back to, and, and always talk to the parents about, is is communication, communication, communication. Because to a to a seven year old who's just started in the in the prep school. Um, there are little hurdles that, that to us we, we don't see as the as the biggest stress factor or the biggest problem. You know, losing their diary or the football that they got given for Christmas has, has been lost over in the in the in, you know, in the adventure playground or in the woods. To a child of that age, that's a really important thing, and, and they will worry more about that. And, and for us as a school to say, don't worry, it's just a ball, isn't helping them with those things. So it, it's sort of understanding. The little bumps to them can be can be much bigger. And so I always say to the parents, you know, communication, communication, communication. The more you tell us about the things that are going on in their life, the more we can be prepared to to help them. And, and, and I always sort of always say, you know, the death of a goldfish to, to an adult is, is just a goldfish. The death of a goldfish to a seven year old is, is quite a big thing, especially if it's the first stage of, of, of trauma and loss and bereavement. And we need to know that that child is going to be upset and that child might want to talk about it. And, and we don't necessarily make a big deal of it, but we communicate with all of our teachers and say, this is going on in this child's life. And if that child offers something or talks about it, then we as a staff know that we can engage in that conversation and are, are forewarned to sort of support them as, as much as possible. Because just the fact that, that you're there as an entity, that there is uh, you know, something called pastoral, is, must be so important because you do have that independence, don't you? You can, you can be part of, of the team that is the parent and the child. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, when I first started teaching, pastoral care wasn't really, it just sort of happened sort of behind the scenes. And I think with, with the way the society's moved on with mental health and well-being, it's, it's such an important part. And 
and we put it down to sort of making the child as happy as they can be and, and, and being in the right mindset because if they're if they're happy and they're confident and all those sorts of things appear then they're going to do the best they can and 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 we all know what it's like as adults when something's on our mind or something is niggling us and and we lose a little bit of sleep or our mind isn't on what we should be doing because there's something in the back of our heads you know those things are just as prevalent and just as important for a child of that age so so pastoral care is sort of approaching the child as who they are and making sure that we can support them as they go to those lessons and, and do their sort of day-to-day learning. Hmm. Obviously happiness, confidence, achievement, they're the foundation blocks of the school. How does sort of your interaction with pastoral care manifest itself? How do you see that in the, the children as they go about their day? Um, I, I, I'm a strong believer that the, the, the tagline that we have, happy, happiness, confidence, achievement, I mean it, it Seven years ago when I started that, I was sold just by that tagline because it's so clear, precise and everything else. And I think it follows such a path. If they're happy, they're confident and then they achieve. It's almost like a three step process. Um, I see it every day. The children coming into school, the children coming and talking to me or talking to other teachers or or just sort of saying hello and and things like that. You know, I, I sort of. I tried one day to count how many times I said good morning to to the different children and very quickly lost count mm-hmm. because the children will just good morning, good morning. You know, there's such a happiness and, a, and an approach to it. And, and currently, as they come into school and, and we're sort of doing a slightly different welcome with, with COVID restrictions, we get to see them every morning and, and they're getting out of the car and they are happy. Um, the confidence comes from, from what they want to do and, and how they are around school. They lovely email from a parent a couple of weeks ago saying that their child had a little bit of a worry and wanted to talk to me and that child just came up to me and, and sat down and, and asked questions and that confidence to, to reach out and talk to the to the teachers and and, and and share what they're feeling for me I think always with achievement everyone sort of feels that it's got to be the winning of the competition or the scholarships or, or getting into their schools and yes that's important and something we we all want to celebrate but also it's just them achieving so much and, and, and leaving at whatever point they leave ready and, and, and willing to move on to the next step. And, and they've they've achieved a lot by being prepared and, and ready to, to go on to their to their next steps. So I think for me, it's 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 there all the time. And I think it, it happens so naturally in every corner of the school that it's hard to sort of pinpoint and, and recognise it, because I think it is just what we do so well and what we're all about that whenever when happiness is all around you and all the children are confident and all the children are achieving amazing things it's much harder to sort of pinpoint exactly when those when those things happen because it's just sort of a natural process for for all of them in in so many different areas of school life whether it's the art and dt whether it's the music whether it's the sport whether it's drama the academics you know, the good behaviour, the, the headmaster's lunches, all the wonderful things that we celebrate and, and want them to be proud of. Um, it happens sort of so often through, through the school day and through the school year as well, I think. Mm. Stephen, what brought you to this role? Uh, so I started uh, 2013. I, I joined in January as, as a head of history and did a little bit of English. Um, and I've always been pastorally minded. I, I was a boarding parent at a boys boarding school a co-ed boarding school but I was in charge of the boys boarding house and and always 
loved that idea of looking after the children and being there to sort of support them and, and, and guide them through things. Um, and, and yeah, just always sort of wanted to get involved in, in pastoral care and um, all my, going back to all my teacher training and everything else, that, that they weren't necessarily perfect lessons every time, but, but there was always a comment of you engage with the children, they feed off you, you've got that empathy with them. Mm. Um, and I think that's sort of what I always come back to is what really interesting my first year at teacher training um I remember reading an article or something and it was one of the questions was what the, the, the comment was you know whenever you're asked what do you teach always reply with children and it's something that stuck <laughs> with me for so long and and meeting new people and being out and about and you meet somebody and they say oh what, what do you do oh I'm a teacher and what do you teach and, and I just sort of say I teach children and and they look at you as sort of well that's not what I wanted so they sort of ask the question again and no no but what do you teach and I teach children you know and I think that's what I mm. hold so close to what I do is that I, I, I've taught English I've taught history drama I've taught so many things but it's always placing the child at, at, at the centre of what you're doing and understanding what they're about and if you can get to them on their level and spark their interest then you can teach them anything because I think that's they'll, they'll follow your enthusiasm and, and feed off that energy and and they want to feel part of it they want to feel like they're they're, they're, they're learning with you and, and things like that so um, mm. I suppose one of the things I was just thinking when I said that you're part of an independent uh, team with parents um Kindly, slightly more thorny issue is that, that that presumably if a child relates to you really strongly and you said that the parents said, well, could you have a word with them? Do, do you never get the feeling that the parents are slightly thinking, hmm, they're, they're kind of keener on Stephen than they are on me? How do, how do you balance that? I, I'm always quite honest and open with all of those sorts of things. And and, and as a teacher, my mum was a teacher and, and sort of education's always been in my in my in my life and family. And I know full well, you know, I'm, I'm approaching 40 and I can bring my mum and, and she'll give me a pep talk and I'll sit there and go, <laughs> yeah, but, but but that's mums and mums talk about those things. And actually, Mr. Webster or, or someone else at school gives me a, a pep talk and it, and it stands a little bit more. It holds stays with me longer because I think parents are, are always there to be your advocate and champion you and, and champion the children whereas I feel that that we are there to support those parents and, and as I always say to the parents you know the child better than anyone you know what they're about you know what's going to work with them um, and and it's it's for me no matter what age those children are it, it's a triangle of, of communication that we all share that that I would never try to do something without the child feeling confident and happy with it and, and vice versa with, with the parents and I think for me it is keeping that 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 triangle going between all of us um, but but yeah it, it's it's nice to know that the children feel they can talk to me and feel that there's somebody there and and, and there's sort of a smile on their face when I walk into the classroom and, and I know I've never had that fear or I've never mm. seen their fear when I walk into the classroom and say, can I have a word? They know that if I'm coming in to have a word, it might not be the best thing that we need to talk about, but there's never judgment. There's never anger. There's never a sense of, you know, a punishment. It's, it's to help them understand things. And I think as a, as, as for me, as a teacher, we all make mistakes and, you know, I make mistakes in my role and, and people give me, you know, a, a little bit of a, a break and, and, and understand that, that, that I'm not perfect. And I think we need to do the same with our kids that, that when they do make mistakes, yes, there needs to be a bit of you've made a mistake. We need to sort of talk about 
what you've done wrong, but also, you know, I've got a tutor team, I've got such a pastoral support team in place that it's the pickup afterwards of, of how do we stop, how can we support you? Do you need some more chat with, with me? Do you want to talk to your parents? Do you want us to talk to your parents? We sort of put, put the punishment to one side and that's happened. It's how we move forward and, and support them with hmm. making sure they're, they're in the best position. And how do you interact with the rest of the staff? How does that work? Uh, so we have regular staff meetings. We always have um, beginning of term. I, I run sort of inset sessions where we basically run down the school register and say, what do we need to be aware of? Any Anything that we need to, to sort of monitor or keep our eye on. Um, it, it's the same thing, really. As, as I say to the, to the parents, I say the same to the, the staff, you know, communication, communication, communication. And, and it's wonderful that you pop into the staff room and, and, and there's people going, oh, this someone you know someone in year three is not very happy at the moment and then you you go outside and another teacher says oh someone in year six isn't very happy at the moment and and if they're from the same family then you make that connection and things like that so it's Mm. it's trying to spin 200 280 odd children you know well-being at once and just realizing that, that some of them will wobble and some of them will have be okay but it's just making sure that everyone's got eyes on them um our, our receptionist, Mrs Sturgis, is brilliant, keeps her eyes on, on what's going on. If a child walks past or pops in to see the school nurse, you know, they'll be the first two that come to me and say something's not right, something something doesn't sit right. So, you know, for hmm. me, it's I, I would much rather people tell me the weirdest little things or the weirdest little niggles that don't sit well with them, because that just gives me a better understanding of, 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 of what's going on, because as much as I can try to be in the dining hall every day to to see every single child and to say hello I also need my eyes and ears everywhere else and and sort of trying to feed that information back in. It's amazingly inspiring I think if uh, I'm showing my age here a little bit but I think if that had been at uh, at school in my day um, we'd have some much more confident adults perhaps even running the country I think dare I say. (laughs) No comment, no comment. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit more about you, Stephen. Um, tell me something about yourself. What would your ideal Saturday evening be? My ideal Saturday evening? Um, I think gone are the days of, of being out and about and, and things like that. I'm, I'm more of a home bird now. Uh, two dogs, which I think every single child in school saw during lockdown <laughs> because they jumped on my lap or, or videos of. So uh, <laughs> Saturday evenings is normally in front of the TV with... Um, probably the dogs and just watching some TV and, and just sort of relaxing. I think I, I probably give a lot. I know I give a lot to school and, and mm. my days are filled with, with a lot of energy and, and running around here, there and everywhere. So my weekends are my, my, my time to recharge and just sort of take in the yeah. silence. So sort of just sitting quietly and... Because yeah, you must have, actually, just thinking about it, you must absorb a lot as well. If, if you're constantly caring and sharing, you must absorb all of that. You must need that downtime. Yes, yeah. And I think it, it's it's something that it's not just what the children say to you. It's also what they don't say to you. And, and I'm mm. fortunate enough in, in school, my, my classroom sort of oversees the playground and, and I sort of see the children moving between lessons. And a child who's, who's dragging their feet is, is a bigger sign than a child saying... I'm not very happy and, and things like that. So it, it's reading every single situation and, and, and eyes and ears on everything and sort of making sure that, that everyone is, is is looking okay as well as sort of saying the right things um, and, and eyes and ears out there. So, yeah, the weekends are, are sort of a, 
a, a chance to sort of sit quietly and um, just sort of take stock and yeah, wonderful. Enjoy the peace and quiet. Wonderful. Um, and the future of I mean, obviously, pastoral care as an entity is growing, isn't it? In schools, people are realizing that it's need that's actually needed. Um, where do you see this all going? The future for schools. I think for the future for schools is having, I mean, I started my teacher training when I was we're going back nearly 20 years when I first started getting into teacher training. And I thought that teaching back then was make sure the kids were OK and teach the lessons. I, I didn't think 20 years later I'd be you know, a mental health first aider. I work very closely with the wellbeing team, we're looking at getting mental health leads within both areas of the school. Um, I'm trying to understand child psychology, that there's such a breadth of, of the mind and, and how children work rather than just saying they sit quietly and. So um, I think it's, a, it's, it's an exciting journey. It's probably an ever-evolving landscape. Um, but I think for me, the, the future of pastoral care is, is just to make sure that we've got that, that clear communication going between all of us and, and, and working very hard with making sure that we have the experience and the tools that we need to deal with with anything that's coming but also making sure that we don't fall into a this is what we do when you know looking at every single child and looking at every single um, event in their life and not just saying well that worked with that child we'll do it again but taking stock of who that child is and ultimately educating the child in their own well-being and, and mental health and, and things like that there's there's sort of lots mm. of there's this, there's lots of talk about mental health having a derogatory negative uh term that people see as, as being sort of bad uh mental health is, is good mental health as well so training and teaching those children on to keeping fit exercise talking about emotions talking about your struggles and things like that and, and ultimately I think as it comes back to that sort of achievement or, or when they leave that that they've got enough tools in there in their, with them so that they're ready to move on to the next step and and they know that if there is a problem they know what they can do mm. and they know how to help themselves so rather than sort of helicoptering above them and trying to clear the landscape of, of any problem that's coming you know, having those conversations of, well, look, what's going to happen if you don't make the A-team or what's going to happen if you don't get that main part in, in the production or what's going to happen if you do make a mistake in your in your music solo and things like that and giving them those those skills and, and mm. helping them with those those bumps on the road because once they leave us, we are, you know, I, I, I was in the beginning of my career, wanted to make everything perfect and, and stop anything from going wrong for the children, but actually... A, that was draining, impossible and, and, and frustrating because it could never do it. Whereas now it's these are going to be your, your hurdles. These are going to be the bumps and, and let's work out how you can overcome them uh, and rely on the teachers or rely on mum and dad or rely on your friends. And, and that sort of everybody working together within yeah. the community to help them. We mentioned dogs and lockdown. It would be remiss of me not to ask how uh, COVID has affected both, you know, your um, input, if you like, uh, and the children. Um, I, I, if I start with me, I found it really difficult to begin with. Um, and I, as I was saying before, for me, it's such a, 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 a an interaction with children on a, on a daily basis and seeing them in school. And I just found life really quiet and found it really difficult to sort of, 
help them. And I think this goes back to this idea of I, I can't change a pandemic and I could see everyone struggling. And there were times when I just felt that everything was out of control and, uh, and it was quite hard to sort of stop uh, the lockdown and the, the loneliness that we were all feeling um, and, and, and sort of very quickly realised that rather than trying to, to stop it, I had to improve what, what experience the children had. So we started doing our our year group Zoom. So one day I did every every child had a Zoom game session with me. So we did Where's Wally? We did quizzes. <laughs> uh, we did loads of stuff just to sort of keep them entertained. And I then had at least one day a week where I could check in with all those children and, and, and 60 faces on the screen sort of <laughs> gave them that positive. And, and they knew, you know, and a lot of it was a lot of fun, but the message always was, talk to me I'm here you know mm. give your parents a hug make sure that they're you're looking after them and vice versa um I have to say though I, I I sort of prepared that the children would find it difficult and the children would find all of this quite sort of a challenge but I have to say their resilience and and the adaptability of all of them and, and the, the families and the parents and and the way I think we've all pulled together um it, it's been whilst COVID's been difficult I think the positives that come from it is is the parents now see that we're there and, and we want to do as much as we can to help and actually the emails and, and the communication that we've all been sharing and and zooming you know I never thought I'd zoom with a parent or or, or sort of they'd see into my kitchen or I'd see into their house <laughs> and and all that and actually there's still a really good professional relationship with with our parent body but also we, we've all come through this in in a really tough time, and actually, I think it's pulled us together in a in a lot more. And and I, I I'm I'm looking forward to the day that the end of the summer, but also it's going to be really tough when we say goodbye to lots of parents and children and families who, mm. who we've been through this with them, and unfortunately, their their their, their youngest or their only child is is leaving our school, and and we have to say farewell because. I think as as teachers, we relied on the children to keep us going and, and vice versa. And it, it has, mm. it's, it's pulled us together in such a unique way that, that it will be, um, it'll be an emotional time when we're all allowed back in school and we can all sort of, you know, the pickup where they're allowed out of the car to, to mm. come in and, and things like that will be a, a really exciting and special day for everyone. Yeah. Well, Stephen, I've been asked to ask you, I'm not even sure why, what is your favourite pair of socks and why? <laughs> So I'm guessing that's either come from Mr. Webster or Mr. Lowry. So um, I think in, in all I'm my I'm thinking years, loud socks here, Stephen. Yes, it is. Yeah. So so many many years ago, I just sort of uh, picked up a pair of brightly coloured socks, which I which I wore, and, and suddenly realised that it was just quite fun to wear different mm. bright coloured socks. So um, yeah, I just I've always worn bright coloured socks, and just discovered an amazing website called D Dolls, which do. They're matching socks, but they're odd socks. So one of them was like, one of the pairs I've got is like a crocodile skin effect. And then on the other sock is the, the mouth of the crocodile coming up. <laughs> I've got like a cactus one on one sock. And then the other one is like a sand deserty look. So the kids absolutely love it because I've got odd, odd matching socks. So there's always a bit of a, 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 you know, in the dining hall, all the kids will always say, oh, can we, can we see your socks? <laughs> um, and I think it was, we did a, a crazy sock day. And one of the kids said to me, are you going to wear black socks on the crazy sock day? And I said, no, why? He goes, because everyone else has to wear boring socks and, and you're allowed to wear fun socks. So you should wear black socks. <laughs> um, I don't have a favourite pair of socks, actually, just thinking about it. What I, what I do have is I have, I got a lovely one of our year eight boys who left last year and um, 
gave me a pair of um, socks. So it's the King's Guard um, soldiers with the big bear hats on. So it's a pair <laughs> of socks that look like that. But the, rather than it being a human face, it's a dog face. And, and he sort of wrote in the card, you know, because all you like, you know, the two things you like is talking about the royal family, which is my one way of getting me off track in a, in a history lesson um, and, and talking about my dogs. So they're, they're a special pair because I think it's, I know the kids so well, but actually they taken a, they taken the time to listen and talk to me. And I've got another stripy pair of socks that an, another family gave to me when, when they left the school. So I, I can't, I've got hundreds of pairs. There's too many, but I think there are, there are special pairs that, that are, have a, have a sentimental value and mean something to me because I've, I've worked with those families and children and, and, and it's been a lovely sort of goodbye that they recognise who I am and, and what I'm about. So, so yeah, probably sentimental pairs, never a favourite pair. Mm, lovely. Well, that's a, a wonderful way to leave it. Stephen, I've, I've learnt so much more about what happens at Hobridge School and uh, I'm, I, as I say, I'm very inspired by it. I, uh, I can see that you're certainly instilling the confidence and the happiness and obviously that leads to the achievement. So uh, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you very much. So that was Stephen Arnott, Assistant Head Pastoral, talking about the happiness, confidence and achievement at school. Thank you, Stephen, for coming on to this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with the school, just visit hobridgeschool.co.uk and the staff will always be happy to help you. And if you haven't followed this channel yet, then now's the time to do so, because then when each episode is released, you'll just receive a small notification to let you know that it's available. So go and do that. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.